welcome to this episode of Feed Matters, Feed Navigator's podcast series. I'm Jane Byrne. Despite the recently agreed two-month extension of the Black Sea Grain Export Corridor, it has emerged that dozens of ships are still unable to reach Ukraine for loading with grain exports. We asked Arlen Sudeman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, for his perspective. I'm really not surprised by it. Uh, Russia really does not want to see Ukraine be able to export grain. They're very mm. reluctantly ag- uh, agreed. And in fact, they one of the reasons they probably agreed is because they probably have more control over what leaves Ukraine with the agreement than if there was no agreement. And so um, that's probably one of the reasons. The other reason is, is they uh, Putin wanted to support his good friend Erdogan in Turkey in the in the runoff mm-hmm. elections. And uh, so I think that was another reason um, that he extended it for another 60 days. Uh, those two factors, China, of course, has been putting pressure on Russia to continue because they get grain from Ukraine. Um, but I think Putin is really running out of his patience because the Ukraine selling grain undercuts the price of Russian grain, and it also provides Ukraine with revenue it needs in its battle against Russian troops. And uh, so it doesn't serve Putin's best interest for Ukraine to be exporting. And as long as they have the agreement that requires that ships be inspected by Russian inspectors, that gives them some control to slow walk those inspections and, and to really limit what goes in and out of Ukraine. Oh, gosh, I mean, so what do you see happening now? Um, you know, once the, the, the two months are up again, will it just be more of the same? Uh, more, the, more the same, and maybe not even extended. Um, we'll have to see the developments in the next two months. I anticipate between now and then we'll probably get the long-awaited spring counteroffensive from Ukraine, and then we'll mm-hmm. see how Russia responds to that. Um, it finally got its first victory uh, over Bakhmut um, here over the past week, and that was its first victory in 10 months in the war. So things are not going well for it. And so President Putin is not in a real mood to be cooperative in regards to doing anything to help Ukraine. Uh, The agreement was originally a four-month agreement, and you'd go along fine for three months, and then the final month things would start to bog down with all the positioning for the negotiations for the extension. And now we're down to 60 days. Um, and so you get a month of, of good trade and then a month of bogging down. And now we're already bogging down. We just started this, you know, the first month of a two month agreement with Russia already saying uh, we have no interest in extending this unless we get what we want. So I think things are definitely escalating. Uh, the rhetoric is escalating, the actions are escalating, and I think the risks are continuing to rise that it will not be extended. I mean, the agri-commodities market is, is facing such volatility, isn't it? That there's there's so many factors coming into play here. Um, the, the the dollar high against currencies, the potential um, debt situation in the U.S., uh, the droughts in the U.S., Corn Belt, just just a litany of various developments playing in here. Um, I, I mean, how do you foresee things going in terms of global corn markets going forward? Well, first of all, Ukraine has been putting a priority on exporting corn when it is able to export. Those supplies are obviously in decline in what both it can produce and what it can export, and that's going to continue. 
because corn is a high input crop. And so Ukraine is switching, reducing corn and where it can plant, it's moving more toward oilseed crops, which have lower crop inputs and higher value for each unit that they are able to export. So Ukraine, which was the world's fourth largest exporter of corn, is losing that position. But the, that position of prominence in the world market is shifting to Brazil. Now, Brazil's long been a prominent exporter of corn, but they're grabbing Ukraine's market share as well. So that's basically, I think, going to continue. So once this war is over, Ukraine's going to have to fight to get it back. Uh, I anticipate that they will, but that's going to be a long process of many years. And so the the world corn market now is switching primarily to the United States, Brazil, and Argentina as being the major exporters with South Africa following behind. Uh, overall, I anticipate that because of the great efficiencies and increases in production in um, Brazil, that we will see world supplies of corn start to rebuild here over the next couple of years as we go into an El Nino weather pattern that typically favors production in the Americas. And so particularly in, in the United States, I see expanded production and most likely in Brazil as well. And so uh, I think we will ease the tightness of world supply somewhat. I do not think I'm not looking for a dramatic increase in world supplies. I think we will see a more significant increase in U.S. supplies, but the rest of the world's going to be slower in recovering those supplies because of the problems in Ukraine. Well, I mean, the European Union used to be heavily reliant on Ukraine for um, its corn f- feed corn. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, then they had to switch to other sources. So what you're saying is that that sourcing will continue. The EU yes. feed, feed sector will continue now to source from the US and Brazil. Yes. And unfortunately, I think the U- Ukraine-Russia war is far from over um, because uh, uh, NATO and the United States have made it clear that they are committed to not allowing Ukraine to lose. And China is committed to not allowing U- U- uh, Russia to lose. Um, and so unfortunately that, you know, I didn't say either side was committed to winning. They're just mm-hmm. committed to not losing. And so it's going to be a war that just continues to go on and on and on, I'm afraid. And each year that it goes on is going to decrease the amount of corn that comes out of Ukraine and is going to be available to the European market. How is it all going to play out for, for the wheat market? Yeah, as we look at the wheat market, of course, wheat is a crop that uh, we say here in the United States anyway, wheat is like a weed. It'll grow anywhere. And in fact, it is growing around the world as a significant factor. Um, In 1992, um, I had the opportunity to host President Boris Yeltsin of Russia on a farm visit in the United States in the wheat state of Kansas. And uh, the wheat it was at wheat harvest time, and the wheat that we grow here has its roots in um, in Russia. And he, he, when he addressed the farmers who were there, he said, uh, "The wheat that you grow here came from my country, and your yields are three times what ours are now." But he says we are investing in our infrastructure, and we will one day be the breadbasket of the world, and that is truly what they've become. So. Mm-hmm. 
Russia does set the world price for wheat. Um, they are a major producer of wheat, and that will expand to other crops as well. Uh, and right now, they have a lot of wheat to dump on the world market, and they are doing so. And while world um, exportable supplies of milling wheat uh, are basically at a modern era low right now as a percent of usage among the major exporters. But we still have a, a lot of wheat in the world. A lot of that wheat is in China. A lot of it is in India. Uh, it's really in places that's not available to the export market. But the wheat market's not real concerned right now because Russia keeps dumping wheat on and it has enough to export right now. So it has the dominance of the market. But the short U.S. crop, because of the drought in the plains, U.S. plains, does tighten things up more. And what it, what it does is it leaves the world more vulnerable should we have another significant problem in another major producing part of the world. And, you know, will that be Australia? Australia tends to have short crops during El Nino weather events. Will it be in Asia? because the spring wheat belt of Russia and Kazakhstan is very dry right now. We're still seeing production estimates go up because it's so early in the growing season there for a spring wheat crop. But that is a possibility because El Ninos do increase risk in that region of Asia. So it's a possibility we could still see those production estimates come down. What about the Canadian prairies? You know, will they see a, a shorter crop or not? Those are all ifs, ands, and, and buts, so to speak. But with the short U.S. crop and with a short Ukraine crop because of the war, it does leave us even tighter and more vulnerable should another problem develop someplace. There's a lot of possibilities I've outlined, but as yet, none of them have really developed to this point. It's just going to kind of keep the wheat market on edge. We are harvesting a big crop in China right now, it looks like. There are some early quality problems. Um, looks like we're going to be feeding a lot of wheat in China, displacing corn, and that's reducing Chinese demand for corn and leaving some more corn available in the United States and Brazil for exporting to Europe and other places. Is this with the Chinese security policy trying to move away from reliance and soy in feed inclusions? They're trying to move away from protein, which would be soy meal inclusion. They've come from 17% inclusion down to 12.5% inclusion ahead of their gold time of 2025. Um, that does increase demand for wheat as wheat has a higher protein content. But frankly, wheat is cheaper in China than corn right now. And so the economics of it is very favorable as well. Plus, the economics of China are not good right now. The economic data continues to deteriorate. And so that tends to cause people to move in China, there's more of a move from a protein-based diet more toward a starch-based diet. And so if you're not producing as much livestock, you don't need as much corn or soy meal either. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all factors. Now, China certainly wants to move away from dependence on U.S. imports. And so it is doing that. It has no problem doing business with Brazil, which is another member of the BRIC coalition. 
Um, but overall, the dynamics don't support a lot of strong demand from cor- from China for corn right now. And, and what are your thoughts on um, the soybean market in the U.S.? Well, I anticipate we're going to have a strong crop this year in the United States as well with, with an El Nino weather pattern. That's the way we're set up right now. I do think that we'll see the area planted expand a little bit more than what USDA currently suggests. Uh, USDA is calling a, our area flat at 87.5 million acres. I think we'll end up closer to 88.5 million acres. Um, the weather pattern tends to favor trend or higher yields in El Nino weather growing seasons. Um, so that should see stocks continue to grow in the United States. Exports uh, to China are going to be in decline, Mm -hmm. and we are using more soybeans or crushing more soybeans for for the oil, for producing renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel. That will continue, but I think exports will decline faster than what we build the renewable diesel industry. So I do see our stocks building over the coming year uh, for soybeans. Some commentators say the expansion of the U.S. soy crushing industry won't be as great as originally thought, though, for a number of reasons. Growing imports of used cooking oil, for one. It's it's an industry trying to find the right balance, and, and it's in the development stages. And so uh, each sector that has a chance to profit from being a part of it uh, has its own projections. And and mm-hmm. until the industry really gets going, and it's been a little slower start to getting going than what was anticipated, we're not going to see how it all flows out. I'm very optimistic about the growth of the industry as as overall. I think that as it learns how to do this. The industry as a whole is going to be strong and have strong growth over the next five to seven years. But the makeup of soy oil versus canola oil versus waste oils and stuff, I think that's still yet to be fully determined. And that obviously has an impact on on soybean oil demand and therefore for crush for soybean oil. Um, I do see demand eventually being high enough to absorb kind of an all of the above type of scenario. Um, But I think some of the original projections on the expansion of demand for soy oil were probably too optimistic because they failed to take into account some of these other factors.